caution, you will begin to love your 9 to 5 with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome everybody to this next episode. My guest today is Earl Bell. Earl is a success trainer, is a business coach, is also a member of the National Speakers Association, is a, an author of the book Winning in Baseball and in Business, and much more, which Earl will fill, help fill in in a moment. But I'm really excited to have you on the show uh, today. Earl, if you can, just help paint a little bit uh, more of a full picture for our guests of who you are personally and professionally so that they understand who they're speaking with today. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, you did a wonderful job of describing at a very, very high level my professional background. Uh, I, I guess one way of thinking about it, given the nature of your podcast, Love Your 9 to 5, is that I was an employee for 25 years and for the last seven years have been out on my own. Um, okay. Married 25 years, coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, raised three kids. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I think you know, one of the things that might be interesting uh, for your listeners is that for whatever reason, whether I was lucky or fortuitous or good, for the 25 years I was an employee, uh, 23 of those years, I actually enjoyed contributing to the company. Uh, I was highly engaged, uh, happened to work for great bosses, and was able to contribute in what I think is a meaningful way. And for the last seven years, have been on a mission helping other business owners and leaders and organizations figure out how to do the same. So from a from a batting average perspective, I, I would say you know it's been a great 32 years plus, and hopefully you'll ask some questions along the way that will enable me to share things that hopefully will be interesting to your listeners. Absolutely. Um, so just to clarify, although the name of the show is Love Your 9 to 5, mm-hmm. um, what the intention of the 9 to 5 doesn't necessarily mean a, a hourly or a salaried employee that's punching the clock from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock or whatever hours are arranged, but rather it means 9 to 5 has become the term of, you know, what are you doing with the better part of your day? And whatever that is, I, I feel strongly that you better love it because life is too short to be doing something that you don't absolutely love. And the goal of this podcast and is to bring on uh, successful business people or people with uh, you know significant life experience who can help the listeners and give them that information and guidance, resources, and or tools to help everyone get to that place. Now, for some people, that place is behind the desk or whatever it is and punching a clock and working the hourly shifts and that's what they love. And I've met people like that. Like I told you before the show, I've done you know many interviews with prospective um, employees, and some of them, you know, some very skilled people say, "I don't want to worry about overhead. I don't want to very worry about insurance. I don't want to worry about payroll or whatever it is. I just want to know that I have a skill. I get paid a set amount, and I'm happy with that. And that's good for them. Others are like, I am not stopping at you know. I want to be able to use my skill and and really cash in the maximum that I can and have a little more flexibility. So that's the goal. The goal is to love your 9 to 5 is for everyone to really kind of find their niche in life and find 
you know, it's not just a drop down menu of 10 job descriptions and you pick your thing and that's it. And then on your gravestone, it says here lies a dentist. That's not the right. goal. <laughs> the goal is here lies a unique individual who has applied his skills to the world around him personally and professionally and blossomed into this wonderful, full, complete person. That's the goal. What so, a great reason to tune in. That is just incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. No, I mean, I, and I really strongly believe that way. And, you know, we, we're all so much, we sell ourselves short sometimes. But now going back to you. Yes. You mentioned that um, for up until the last two years, I believe, of your employee life, you really were the engaged employee that as employers, we would all love to have that employee. And then the last two years, something changed. And at that point, you've no longer felt that level of engagement. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit more about what happened at that point, why was it so great before that, that point, and what changed that kind of made things go downhill? Yeah, and and actually, it? Uh, it was a good 23 years in the middle. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there was a, a not-so-great not year at the beginning and, you know, not-so-great from my perspective year at the end. And okay. I, I guess one way of thinking about the, the commonality between the two, uh, you know, sometimes good people end up at, empl- at as employees at companies that aren't the right fit for them. And then mm-hmm. that's not to say that you're a good person or a bad person or that the company is a good company or a bad company. Sometimes the fit just isn't right. Uh, a specific example, I started my career as a classically trained accountant. I was a CPA uh, working for a very large accounting firm. And for those in the audience that have ever worked at a professional services firm, you know that whether you're an attorney or an accountant or an architect, you work with different teams over the course mm-hmm. of a year with different engagements. And I had a particular boss on a particular job that was probably one of the most difficult people that I've ever had the pleasure of uh, working with. Uh, and, I, and I say pleasure. Uh, uh, You're being PC. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it wasn't that great. You know, a nice person outside of work, but uh, at, while at work, he, he was really, uh, in my opinion, a not nice person to work with. And, uh, you know, think this is, that, a, this is a clean show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very <laughs> clean show. And but you know, in in fairness to him, he was a very demanding individual who wanted things to be right. And I was a relatively green person right out of uh, university, uh, without a lot of experience. And to be frank, I didn't know what I was doing. Of course. And there are two approaches to developing employees without uh, any experience. One is to uh, give them things that they can be successful at, help them develop their confidence, give them uh, increasing levels of responsibility and you know, reward them along the way. Uh, a few positive attaboys is, is helpful as well. And you know, th- others look at mistakes as an opportunity to scold and uh, admonish. And you know, he was more of the, the latter and less of the former. And why what I discovered about myself in that process was that I definitely thrived better in the, the former positive environment and I wilted in the uh, second uh, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the word uh, no, but I get environment, it. And, right right but just you know that I mean I'm sure you know this already now you have with your experience that you've had professionally is that you're not unique I mean I, I've been working with employees for a number of years now too I haven't yet met any employee. I mean, I'm an employee myself, right? Every mm-hmm. boss has a boss. Sure. And um, I've never met anybody that thrives from tongue thrashing and scolding and yeah. 
and you know being yelled at in front of anyone else. So that, I mean, I think that's the way that always works. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess the lesson, though, I mean, if you were to peel the onion back and say, well, gosh, you know, what could have worked better uh, in, in that environment? I, I think organizations that have the foresight to invest in leadership, uh, that have the foresight to invest in team building and in training and development, uh, you know, creating organizations that focus on the right things as opposed, as opposed to focusing on trying to do things right. Mm -hmm. uh, those companies tend to be more successful because as a result, you know, employee turnover is, uh, reduced and goes down employee engagement and productivity goes up, uh, the, the workplace is generally less toxic and, and more productive. And, you know, just by targeting your investment and, you know, that, that's the, the one takeaway that I got from this. You can hire a bunch of smart people and have a lousy company. Oh, and yeah. Conversely, you can have adequate employees and have a tremendous company if the environment is conducive to creating incremental improvement on a consistent okay. basis. Right. People are not scared to let their hair down and be themselves. And yeah. instead of expending all that time and energy trying to keep up some f sort of false you know, uh, image and reputation, they can just focus on getting stuff done and knowing that everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Let's bring this back to you, though. Uh, okay. You mentioned that for those first many years, was it, did you say 32 years? Was it 23 yeah. years? Uh, 30, so whatever it was. but. Uh, right. So, but you're saying that you were really happy being an employee. Then at some point, something changed inside of you that you wanted to become an employer or at least just not, not to be working for somebody else. Was there anything specific that happened there? And again, um, the goal here is to, for others who are kind of sitting and wondering if, you know, if, if they're in the right role as an employee or an employer, you know, maybe they can learn something from the way you, you had that shift. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, I kind of lucked into what I'm doing today. Uh, my my boys in 2009 uh, were 12 years old, and it, it was a year where we had a pretty good run with our youth baseball team. And you know, these were a group of kids that I'd coached uh, from the ages of six through 12. And uh, the select baseball team in August of 2009 spent the summer playing baseball at the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and at Cooperstown, at Cooperstown Dreams Park. And it occurred to me that the journey that the kids were on from you know, T-ball to Cooperstown and the Little League World Series was the perfect metaphor for organization that are going from really trying to figure it out to becoming a well-oiled machine. And it inspired me to write the book, Winning in Baseball and Business. Uh, what makes the book kind of interesting and unique is that rather than talking about business experience, I chose to use the metaphor of coaching youth sports teams. Uh, the idea being if you were humble enough to listen and learn to kids, to, to figure out how you can best serve the kids, uh, businesses uh, and, and their leaders, if they're humble enough to figure out how to serve their clients, their patients, their customers, you know, wh whoever it is that the company serves, if they really invest the time to listen to what they're doing well and you know, where they can improve, those companies uh, really, really thrive. And mm -hmm. Yeah, through writing that book, uh, I, I came to realize that the journey was kind of special. And after writing the book, people uh, in organizations invited me to come speak. Uh, I, I started getting asked, well, do you teach this stuff? Uh, do you serve as coaches to business owners and leaders? And, you know, when I say accidentally, it really became accidental in the way that I ended up doing what I'm doing today. 
Mm -hmm. So I appreciate your humility, and obviously nothing is accidental. People, people, you obviously were able to successfully connect with people through the analogies, the very down-to-earth, familiar analogy of of baseball, and that was able. You know, you were able to connect to people and saying, you know, this is a home run. I don't really know. I didn't hear you. <laughs> didn't hear you yet, but I can imagine how you can take those, uh, you know, some of the basics and apply that. And I do plan on reading the book. I actually checked to see if it's on Audible because that's how I love to consume content. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's there yet, but you should you should know that there are people who want it there, like me. Yeah, probably uh, others well, too. I, I know you can buy the audio version on Amazon. And oh, you can. Yeah, I, th- I thought the book was also available through Audible. I mean, that's Amazon's call, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, let me look into that. Yeah. But but either way, so it seems like what were you doing? If you don't mind my asking, before you were doing this, what your employee status was that the baseball coach or no? That was the accounting. Oh, what, um, what, what was the know, nine for... to five job that you left? So I was a CFO for an investment management company with offices in San Francisco and Seattle. Um, I, I was with the company in 2008, and if you remember, it wasn't a great year to be in the financial services industry. No, and, that's an understatement. Oh, it, it was a rough year, and the the firm had wanted all of the executives to um, migrate and move to San Francisco, where the headquarters were. And I made a personal decision that year to. Uh, stay in Seattle where where I live and help uh, create a stable environment for my family uh, so that uh, my three kids or our three kids could graduate from high school and and live in the same community that my wife grew up in. So, you know, it was a very, very personal decision to leave, uh, you know, a very high-paid executive position and essentially take some time off before figuring out what to do next. Got it. So, so that is that. That's really wonderful. I mean, that's when you took the opportunity, uh, when you had you were being successful, and you kind of made a move. You know, people always assume that you have to be laid off in order to make a real uh, dramatic or strong business change or a personal change. Something has to happen dramatically, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, obviously there was a dramatic change and shift in the industry that you were in, the financial industry in the two thousand eight two thousand nine era. But at the same time. You, you still had your job and you still had the opportunity, but you chose, you know, to kind of step out of it and try to figure this out. Now, where was your speaking and writing career at that point at, when you chose to leave? You know, it wasn't even an idea. So I left at the beginning of 2009, uh, took 2012 to write a book. And uh, around that year, no, actually it was late 2011 uh, mm-hmm. when I, I thought, well, might as well try to make a business out of this crazy idea that I have and kind of fumbled my way along. Uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to say right. that I had this master plan idea that I flawlessly executed, and it wasn't anything like that at all. Of course not. It, 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 that's because it's life. life yeah. It doesn't work that way, right? <laughs> we make these plans, and then it doesn't happen. But you kind of – so you, you eased yourself into it, I guess, that as you saw that you were feeling a real need – and I mean, obviously, you listen to what people are saying. You know, can you make? Uh, can you speak about this? Can you teach us? And obviously, there's a niche. So where where's your career up to now with this uh, business? Well, what what I have is a, a training company for organizations, and I do private coaching, uh, you know, remotely uh, mm-hmm. for for business owners, and uh, you know, do some speaking and some writing. Uh, one of the things that I want to touch on because you brought it up and it's really important. I think if I could go back seven years ago and give myself a piece of advice, I would have done a better job of listening. And you know, what do you mean th- by that? Well, 
I think everyone has a superpower, uh, which is the way that I like to describe it. You know, awesome. something that you're really good at uh, that others would pay for, whether in the role of an employee or you know as a sole proprietor or, or building a company. And if you can identify what that superpower is, then you can build something successful around it. And I love that. I mean, that is yeah. so true. And people, everyone, people sell themselves short. And I tell this to people, the exact same thing. I use that word sometimes. You know, you have a superpower and it's like me, I'm just a regular whatever. But keep on right. going. Uh, I have a friend who's a surgeon and, you know, he's pretty nonplussed when he talks about uh, opening up people with a scalpel and doing procedures and, and sewing them back up. And, you know, he, he's pretty humble and he, he would say something like, yeah, I could probably teach you how to do it in a day. Uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, you probably couldn't. <laughs> but I hope that's not how it the, works the, in the real world. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so, too. But but the key is, for me at least, in, in trying to figure it out, I was trying to figure it out. And, you know, I, I think we're all pretty good at certain things, but I, I can tell you flat out, when I was humble enough to ask other people, you know, how am I helping you? What I got back was different than what I assumed. And when you start messaging your gift, your expertise, uh, a little closer to what it is that you actually do, I find that it's a lot easier to attract uh, clients in my particular case. And, you know, if you're an employee, if your superpower is helping to build teams that uh, are highly effective, that produces great outcomes with low employee turnover. I mean, if that's your superpower, mm -hmm. then, you know, marketing that as opposed to being, you know, a, a really good attorney or, you know, a, a, a real good product developer or a, a project manager, you're, you're probably missing something if you focus on the work as opposed to the outcome. So you're, you're answering a very fundamental basic question and something that is really the reason the push for me creating this podcast. And that is loving your nine to five means defining what your superpower is, mm -hmm. uh, executing on it and providing a service to as far of a reach as you can based on what you have clearly defined as your superpower. And once you do that, you people can realize that the, the world is big and with the you know with now with the global connectivity through the internet you can provide your service to anyone, anywhere, at any time, basically. Um, maybe not if you're a surgeon, but if you have uh, many, many industries and many, many skills can can be provided. For, you know, location is becoming less and less of a factor. And uh, things can be created that can be resold and sold again and courses and whatever it is. And people are looking for this information. So that the, and by doing that, it can be, like you said, it can be a business. It can be something you can promote yourself. But it could also be, I will be the best, you know, kitchen employee. I'll be the best dishwasher. Maybe that is your skill. Maybe you have something. Maybe you'll eventually grow up from there. I mean, I know that when I interview people for positions, when I hear that somebody started off down on the bottom and they kind of started growing and from, you know, whatever, let's say someone started as a nurse's assistant mm -hmm. in, uh, in a nursing home, they eventually became a... Uh, LPN, a licensed practical nurse, and then an RN, and then they became a unit manager, and then they became a director of nurses, and then sometimes they go even past that, they can become, you know, a corporate clinical person, and all, so that, you know, that, that growth track is something that is always illuminating, but when I see someone that says, this is my thing, and I cannot go further, because this is me, you know, don't, don't close yourself, and that might be the case, and then you're in the right space, some people are doing the same 
entry-level position for 40 years and they love it, great. Yep. Some people are doing it for a year and they're like, there's got to be more. So then you got to listen. But um, what you said is key. You got to listen. And the reason why people don't do it, in my opinion, is because we don't always like what we hear. I thought it was great at whatever. And then all of a sudden I hear that, no, that's not really your thing. You know, you're not really so good there. But, you know, every time I want to know how to start my car or whatever, you know, uh, when it has to do with auto stuff, then we always come to you. That's not me because that's definitely not my strength. But just as an example. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, superpower is part of the equation, and I think f- figuring out uh, the the mission of your work is you know just as important. You know, using uh, a nursing home as an example, the the employee who started out as a nursing assistant and worked their way up the organization, uh, they were working the whole time in support of the mission of the nursing home, right? And they probably were engaged and uh, were promotable and developed and learned skills along the way because they were excited about coming to work every day. And, you know, one of the things that I like to uh, encourage business owners to think about is measuring the smile to frown ratio every day. And if you see a lot of frowns in the workplace and not a lot of smiles, you know, chances are I can help you, right? And using that example, I'm guessing that that employee showed up with a smile more often than not, just like the person who who works at the same company in the same position for 40 years, probably a lot of smiles because they found fulfillment in their job and their role. Right. It's where their skills and, you know, their application meet is many times is where you'll find that contentment. Now for one person, it might be at that entry level position for a year and with the other person, it might be for 40 years, but Mm -hmm. while they're in that place, yes, then, then you definitely can tell, you know, that someone's there. Um, Uncomfortable question. Sure. You kind of you kind of mentioned you know that you should have told you given yourself the advice to listen uh, to what people are telling you about yourself. But yeah. maybe is there another failure, something that's happened at any point in your career that maybe you're not so proud of? The less proud you are of it, probably the bigger lesson there might be in it. That and something that you've kind of thought you did right and found that no, it really was incorrect. You figured out you know what was the problem and have have learned something from that. Can sure. You think of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, can think of a company that I went to work for for a little less than a year, and you know what I ultimately did uh, wrong and failed at, and you know what what I think the company that hired me did wrong and, and failed at was making sure that I was a good fit for the type of work uh, that uh, the role entailed. Uh, you know, in business, there are really two types of uh, uh, models. One one is uh, high turnover transaction, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of a well. So uh, in the world of financial services, uh, you have financial planners who get paid a fee for doing a service, and let's just say that they get paid three thousand dollars to do a financial plan, and you know they do about 40 financial plans in a year and they generate $120,000 of income, just using this to illustrate an example. Um, In the second year, they've got to go find another 40 employees or 40 people to pay them $3,000 or they won't have a business. In other words, every year they're starting over. And this was the type of company that hired me, was a transaction type business. And, you know, if you think about the hamster wheel of business development that goes into a model like that, it's taxing and it's onerous. And some people you know, thrive in that. And, 
know, from from my perspective, I like the the model that I came from, which was more of a relationship type model, which produces annuity type results. So, as a, using that same example, if you had one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of income in new business that you generate in the first year, and you keep those clients for five years and you add $120,000 of new business each succeeding year, what you have at the end of five years is at least a $600,000 business, well, right? So, so you have to be able to create value on a sustainable business. The company that hired me, uh, their, their average client tenure was nine months. Now, it's just the, the nature of their work and what right. they did. Um, you know, nothing wrong with it, but I was a horrible fit for what they were looking for. So, and you're saying that your initial efforts were to try to try to kind of break yourself in order to fit into that mold, as opposed to finding what your natural strengths were and trying to find the right application for it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it was a little of both. And to be honest with you, um, I I always uh, try to be helpful first and uh, worry about the selling and the revenue later. It's just my nature. I, I, I tend to want to help people. And you know, in, in that transaction model, you've got to sell first and worry about uh, figuring out ways to add value after the sale. And you know, there are a lot of companies that are very successful doing that. The, the quick transactions or doing what? Yeah. Okay. No, no, uh, ab- absolutely. I, I think it's harder. Uh, you know, when I look at, uh, you know, as a, for instance, the, the investment management company I was with, uh, had grown from four and a half billion in assets under management to 17 billion in assets under management, uh, you know, at the end. And, you know, part of that was market lift, but part of it was clients, you know, stayed Mm -hmm. year after year after year. So when you ladder new business on top of clients that are staying with you and you ladder on top of that referrals through word of mouth, you know, you can build a pretty successful company. Excellent. Um, do you have any particular books or resources that you feel that have helped you develop your career into the path that it's in or have helped you kind of specifically gotten in touch with which, with what you've done? You know, you've really found your superpower and you're now applying mm-hmm. it to help other people. Any recommendations for the audience? Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll offer four books. Uh, okay. And I'm asking they, for they, one, but you give me four. I like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in terms of mindset, uh, Bob Berg wrote a great book called The Go-Giver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that Bob does very well is he instills the, the, uh, the value of giving first and, and not worrying about taking. And, you know, it's it's a business model based on a sincere desire to serve and be helpful to others. Excellent. That's uh, the second one. Uh, that, that's a uh, from a practical perspective for those that are starting out. Alan Weiss writes a number of great books. Uh, one that he wrote uh, that is great for people starting out is Million Dollar Consultant. Uh, for those that are interested in the lessons that I learned from coaching kids, kind of off track from you know your question, but if uh, you want to go to Amazon uh, or Barnes and Noble, winning in baseball and business, transforming little league principles into major league profits for your company is a book that I wrote. I also offer a PDF at EarlBell.com. I was going to get uh, to the promotion part at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you asked for four books, and then um, 
the, the fourth book, uh, just in terms of helping people get into the mindset, and I think mindset is more important than anything else because we are what we tell ourselves and we are what we believe. And uh, I, I think you've interviewed him. Uh, Coach Jim Johnson wrote a book called A Coach and a Miracle, you know, a fabulous story about uh, Jason McElwain, J-Mac, a kid that he coached about uh, 10 and a half years ago in, in basketball. Uh, and and the, the essence of that book is that dreams do come true. And I honestly believe if you uh, bring your best possible self every day with the intent of getting incrementally better over a period of time, you can make your dreams come true. Okay, so two things right there. First yeah. of all, yes, I definitely did. We have an episode uh, with Coach Jim Johnson that was a lot of fun doing that with him. I believe that's episode two. Um, and your second point is about getting a little bit better each day. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you have something specific. Uh, the goal of here is for us to get in touch with our superpowers, what we can and and uh, what we can do to kind of figure that out. Um, sure. You mentioned before the idea of of asking and listening. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think John Lee Dumas actually says, you know, find a list of, of 10 people that you really know you well and ask them what mm -hmm. they think your superpower is and listen to what they say. I've tried it and most people are uncomfortable and scared of offending you, but I got some real feedback. Do you have any particular exercise? Because I really want the audience to be able to take something out of this episode and apply it immediately today, something short that they can do to try to really find that sweet spot. Okay, you so using your example, uh, you know, one thing that would work infinitely better is having a friend or hiring someone to ask those that uh, you work with or have, have served in the past. Uh, and the, the idea behind that ask is that they're very specific up front and uh, they say, what I am doing is getting completely anonymous information. Would you be willing to share? Right. So having a third party do the Having same a thing. Th third party do it with the promise and guarantee of anonymity. So what you get yeah. is anonymized, anonymized feedback. Um, so you get the helpful are there, information. Are there any, companies, any companies that do that already? Uh, you could probably go online and right. uh, let's start one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, why not, right? Yeah, but that's a great idea. I mean, this yeah. way you can actually get real feedback. I know I, I thought you were going here too, but obviously I've heard uh, the advice uh, time and time again: get yourself a coach. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, that's definitely something that I've done. But at the same time, there's something about having a complete outsider kind of really get to know you well in in a different type of way and to really give that feedback and. I've grown tremendously. I like to believe that I have through my coach as well. So that's, that's a little bit more of an investment, but I think it's, it could be well worth it. And I believe that you do this as well uh, to business leaders, right? Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the analogy that I like to use is, you know, the best athletes all have coaches. In fact, if you look at the best of the best, they have multiple coaches. Absolutely. Right. That is the, that. That is definitely true because I mean, as you as you move on, you see that you know each coach has their own unique perspective, and they each you know they each bring a different sort of value to the table. And if the audience wants to be in touch with you, and if they want to uh, learn more about you, about your work, what is the best them to to get in touch with you? Sure, uh, my website earlbell.com, e-a-r-l-b-e-l-l.com. Uh, email earl at earlbell.com. And I'm also on social media, but probably the best way to connect on social media is LinkedIn. Uh, uh, 
thinking linkedin.com slash in slash Earl Bell. Uh, okay. And then uh, awesome. I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. Okay. So we got you on Twitter, on Facebook. Did you say Facebook? Uh, I have a business LinkedIn. page, but to be honest with you, I don't use it that much. All right. Uh, so, so LinkedIn. <laughs> I should follow my advice and do only things that I'm good at. <laughs> Fair enough. But either way, but if people want to get in touch with you, not because they want to see your infographics and yeah. other cool stuff and your your uh, you know those cute clips or whatever, but if they want real value, um, these are again it's Earl at EarlBell.com, and you can find Earl by you're really putting your name in the search bar by LinkedIn and in Twitter as well, and they can visit your business page. But again, like you said, the best way is through LinkedIn. Well, Earl, I really appreciate your time today, um, your journey, and your the value that you shared is tremendous. Um, I, I love specifically, you know, your idea of you know getting that feedback, finding your sweet spot, and I'm glad that you've uh, found your uh, sweet spot and the, the way that you can bring value. Um, to your clients and I also love the fact that we're on the same page about the superpowers because I really believe everybody's got it and you just really need to it's not you can't click you know you can't put your name in a website and it's going to spit out your thing although I've tried many different websites Uh and answered a gazillion questions and they all help a little bit and you know they'll tell you you know the acronym for who you are and you find other people with that and all that's good stuff but at the end of the day you got to listen to the messages of what people are telling you so thank you so much for coming on the show And thank you for sharing your wisdom with the audience today. Very welcome. Thank you for having me. Sure.